0: Welcome back to this week's episode of the Movie Bible Podcast. This week you've got myself and I'm joined by Nick and Brennan as we're talking about movies. Um, So it is a bit of a slower week. Um, We've kind of gotten past the tenant and Mulan hype. Uh, We're now just kind of moving towards nothingness again as we roll into October. And theatrical releases are just kind of dropping again as well. Um, But we did have a couple new releases this week we had. Infidel, uh, which opened up to one point five million dollars domestically, uh, which didn't even crack the the top two spots domestically, um, and then The Secrets We Keep, which was a much more limited release and opened up to a whopping eighty nine point nine hundred and fifty five thousand dollars, eighty nine thousand nine hundred fifty five dollars. Uh, so nothing huge. Tenant pulled in about four point seven million, only about a thirty percent drop. Uh, which is still fairly solid. It did open up in 120 more theaters, um, so it's it's going probably not really uh, where anybody would want it to be. It certainly doesn't appear to have saved theaters, especially with um, how many movies have been pulled back in the weeks since its release, um, but it's, it's still making some progress. Sitting at about $36 million domestically. Um, and even the New Mutants really only had a 23.4% drop, sitting at about $17 million domestically, uh, which isn't as high, but New Mutants also doesn't need to make as much money. Um, I still don't think it's really going to break even, uh, but it is at least not completely uh, squandered all of Disney's resources.
1: Yeah. The interesting thing about Tenant for me is like last week we saw that really big dip. It was like, around 70% or something like that. Um, And this week it's pretty good. Less than 29.9%. It's not too bad. Um, Obviously uh, Warner Brothers, we've we've talked about this extensively, like they wanted this to be a really, really big uh, moneymaker for them. Uh, They reports were saying they probably needed to make right around 400, 500 million to break even or something around there. Um, So, That's not great in terms of what we're looking at. You said like 30 to 40 million in the United States box office. But I think it is interesting to kind of see the week to week drops on this. And I think Warner Brothers, the big reason why they wanted to release this now was because they figured, well, like a lot of these movies are not going to release in theaters and we have been seeing more and more things get pushed back recently. So it really is just Tenet and New Mutants and also Unhinged, which is still hanging around and doing actually okay for Solstice Studios and the new distributor. So I guess good for them kind of keeping afloat until things get reasonable in the world again, I guess. But I am really interested to see week to week what Tenet does from here moving forward because, yeah, there's really... I guess if you wanted to go to a theater, which again, I don't recommend at all. And I hope you stay safe out there, but it's really the only thing, only the show playing in town. So I would, I can't, I kind of do see maybe four to $3 million just week over week over week for this movie moving forward. I don't know. What do you think, Brian?
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, what we're going to see is probably, as you said, there's there's nothing coming out and even the news of wonder woman getting pushed back and, and other movies getting pushed back. Um, we're just going to see like a, a maybe four month block potentially. We'll see what happens to James Bond, but just a bunch of months here where it's literally just tenant sitting in the theaters, and that'll probably allow it to make two million, three million every weekend as as we keep going on. So yeah, I mean, I think that's the only positive for them. But yeah, this isn't going to be a big hit. They're looking at the international numbers, and that's what they want to to be uh, looking good. And they're over two hundred million already overseas, so that's all right. But um it was it was a gamble and they took the risk uh we'll see how it goes but yeah shout out to unhinged for now surpassing 27 million globally
0: yeah i mean the little tenant they could uh, maybe (laughs) don't make it up the hill but yeah i I think like that is the one thing that's going to work out for it um especially if we have stuff later in the year that gets moved back even further um and we were talking about before we hopped on about you know there's rumors that bond and even black widow and soul might get moved or with some kind of hybrid release kind of like mulan had um, so i think Tenet's going to get some of its victories in the absence of any real competition i mean tenant is potentially our only blockbuster this year uh which is just kind of crazy to think about but that's where we're at
1: yeah and so box office mojo has tenant right around 239 million worldwide And I read a report in Variety that actually had them above 250 uh, million globally. So that's another thing in here too, where it's Warner Brothers, we've talked about this before, but Warner Brothers just being like, hey, we actually made 20 million in our opening weekend. And then it's like, no, that was like from days and days of preview screenings and things like that, just to really bolster the numbers and make them look as good as possible. uh, Just really finagling the numbers. So. Who really knows what exactly the right number is right now, especially just because I feel like all theaters are being a little slower to report earnings for the week. Um, So we're looking at that number right now, and who knows if they can get to that 400 million mark. And then there's, I said this last week, I think, but there will definitely be a a longer tail on streaming and uh, VOD, and maybe they do something where... Once it goes to VOD, it's maybe not that twenty million or that twenty dollar mark, or maybe it's something like ten, a little higher than you normally get with like a week a week one VOD drop, which is like around like five or six bucks. But um, I'm I'm really fascinated to see because I think a lot of studios and are looking at tenant and just monitoring it so just closely because they figure this is kind of the thing that will maybe just look at how we uh, release mov- movies moving forward. And I think it's just, it's really fascinating because I think we, we, I think we've talked then at tenants so many times and I still haven't seen the movie, but I think there is still so much angst around the industry just about how this movie performs. And so what other s- studios can do with their big budget movies. Uh, I think it's just, it's a huge waiting game. And I think, there's still so much that hasn't been played out.
2: Yeah, I think, honestly, it seems like, as you said, that report has a little over 250. I think passing 300 million in this current climate is not something to be upset about. I know, obviously, uh, they need to break even. They need to pass 400 million to do that. But I, I think in a world where most theaters are only letting 50% of people sit, um, I think that's not like the worst thing out there, but it's definitely not ideal and it's not going to lead other studios to follow suit and release their movies in theaters, but it's an interesting gamble they took. And I do think this movie will perform very well once it hits VOD. I think this is one that there are probably a lot of people that are waiting for it still as you are Nick, just to to rent it once it, uh, once it comes to the comfort of your own home.
1: Yeah. And same with like, Antebellum was a movie that came out this week, which none of us saw because we don't want to pay twenty dollars to see it. Um, and I'm I've been very against paying that extra amount for these movies that are pretty average looking or just not just super top tier. Uh, but I I I would pay a little more to see Tenant Rent. Like I don't know if I'd pay the twenty dollars, but yeah, if they did something ten dollars, twelve dollars, like I would probably pay that. So yeah, there's. I think there's a lot of possibilities that Warner Brothers can do here. So, I don't know. I I I'm not willing to say that Tenant is a failure in any particular way. I obviously it would have performed much better in a normal world, and what how great a normal world would be right now. But I think there's just so many just weird and possibly inventive things they can do with it. Still,
0: yeah, I think Tenant can potentially have kind of like movies used to way back when you know like 40 years ago uh where movies could actually run for like half the year um just because i mean there's really no reason to pull it unless you're just like making a large push for vod but i mean just as people are filtering in and more theaters open up or more spaces in theaters open up or people feel more comfortable i feel like yeah tenant can
2: kind of stick around for a while i'm interested to see if this movie can potentially break records in terms of uh how many weeks they're at the top of the box office right now they're at 3 i know that et i think has like some ridiculous number up in the in the teens but uh this this thing could definitely be first for like 10 weeks yeah and, yeah.
1: and with theaters too cuz right cuz there's nothing like we said there's nothing really coming out uh i'm fascinated to see what theaters do if there's some kind of break even equation that they figure out where it's like hey it's probably less expensive just to close our doors again because there's let's say we're at the at the beginning of november and there really isn't anything coming out and no time to die is pushed and all these other movies are pushed if it's like this basically the same group of movies with a couple indies sprinkled in there i wonder if theaters get to the point too where it's just like hey we it just (laughs) we're, we're really hemorrhaging money in terms of just keeping our doors open and like air conditioning and paying our employees and things like that. I wonder if there's a, there's a time that theaters are looking at where like, Hey, we need to close our doors again. Cause it just makes more sense for our business. I don't know. It's just, it is so, so weird. I think like we, come, we come to this every week and it's like, eh, I don't really know. <laughs> we'll see. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's so a uh, touch and go for, I think everyone involved in this.
0: Yeah, I I think everything's just kind of up in the air. And, like, the other issue is that the theaters were really struggling because there was no real bailout for that industry in particular earlier in the year. So I think, you know, especially as other movies get pulled back, I think the studios have other things to fall back on, but the theater chains are really going to get pinched even more than they already are. And, I mean, they've already missed their biggest, most profitable season. Um, So even now, you know, like, September is usually... Uh, that in January, usually the deadest months of the year movie wise. Um, so they don't really have much to pick from in terms of profitable months coming up. So, yeah, theaters might die, um, but Netflix <laughs> um, is surviving the <laughs> protests so far um, and has quite the spread of top 10 movies this week. Um, so, I'm just going to run through them real quick. So, in the number one spot, we had the take. Uh, followed by The Smurfs 2 at number 2, The Devil All the Time uh, releasing at number 3, uh, The Social Dilemma in its second week at number 4, Pets United at number 5, The Paramedic at number 6, The Babysitter Killer Queen at number 7, The Secret Life of Pets 2, number 8, How to Train Your Dragon 2, number 9, and The Smurfs 10. Um, there's a lot of kids' movies on the top 10 this week. Um, Secret Life of Pets is out there repping Illumination. Two Smurfs movies. <laughs> kind of surprises me they must be new uh, at least to Netflix um but yeah cutie's no longer in the top 10 um, I wasn't sure if that would really last very long um but yeah it's it's a Netflix top 10 it's really not over exciting um I do know we want to talk about the devil all the time a little bit though um, I haven't seen it but I understand you guys both have right
1: yeah I I really like this movie. Uh, this was one I was really looking forward to. I feel like weirdly, like I watched the trailer like so many times because it's just a really, really good trailer. And I, yeah, I like this movie. It's it's one of those where I, I admire so much about it, but I can't quite say I fall I fell in love with it because uh, it has a few issues. I don't think the narration works particularly well, and this movie was adapted from a book of the same name, I believe. And actually the author of the book, uh, Donald Ray Pollock, actually narrated the movie itself. And he it's kind of cool. He has a good voice. He sounds like a little like Sam Elliott. And it works he has these good Southern draws that works for the backwoods story of this, uh, this uh, movie is telling. But um, I just it's one of those where you could cut the narration out of this movie totally and the movie works just the same, if not better, because it's not spoon fitting you information. Um, that's like the that's like the biggest thing because like this cast is so so good where you go, it's just like Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Jason Clark, Riley Keough, Sebastian Stan, Haley Bennett, and Mio you know, Wasikowska, Liza Scanlan. Like there's just so many people in, in this movie where like you can love you can let them make a few looks and you can totally understand what they're saying and you don't need narration to be like. It was at this moment that Tom Holland was very, very sad and thought about his life. <laughs> like that happens a few times. And you're like, okay, movie. Like I get it. Uh, but I really, really like it. I think this movie is just. It really rests on the shoulders of its great cast. Just a little. It's a little vignette story, and then it comes together in the end. <laughs> I thought really nicely. Um, uh, but yeah, I really like this movie. What do you think, Brian?
2: Yeah, Bill Skarsgård's too, good too. He's more uh, prominent yeah, right. here. Yeah, in the early parts of the movie, but he's solid in this as well. Um, I, I didn't mind the movie. I didn't love it, as 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 you um, liked it a little bit more than I did, but I, I didn't mind the narration. I thought some of his li- like, I think you're right, it was overused, but some of the lines were actually quite funny. Uh, uh, but for the most part, I did enjoy this thing, and I think we do have to mention Robert Pattinson, though, because... I didn't watch the trailer. I actually really didn't know that this movie was coming out until about a week before it did. And I, I so I didn't know what to expect from him. And then I see him, and once his mouth opens, I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he he has the most amazing southern accent in this movie. And I'm, I'm not good with accents. I mean, I can tell sometimes when they're really, really bad. But sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds fine. So I can normally roll with it. But his southern accent is so cartoonishly evil, and I really, really loved it. And he, he acts th- he acts through it, so it works really well. But, yeah, he's in this movie for, like, 20 minutes, and he's just, like, this vile, vile human scourge of the earth. Uh, I love everything he's doing in this movie. He's so, so creepy. Uh, yeah, he's so interesting to me because, yeah, we, obviously we have the Batman coming out next year, but he's turning into one of these guys where you can just put him front and center in a movie, like, Good Time or just any of these other things, or you can just let him like go crazy in your movie for 15, 20 minutes as a supporting character. And he's just as interesting. Um, That just makes me excited because you just never really know what project he'll choose next. He's just, he'll just be like, Oh, that looks really interesting. I'm going to go do that. Or I'm going to go do another Claire Denis film, or I'm going to be the Batman. I just think, he set himself up to be so, so fascinating. And yeah, I, I love everything he's doing here. I also really love Tom Holland. I think Tom Holland is terrific in this movie. Uh, I really love him as Spider-Man, but I think this is probably my favorite performance for him and it definitely shows him in a very, very different life cause, light. Cause he's, this movie is incredibly violent and has a lot of thriller tendencies to it. Um, yeah, I really love both of them. I thought they were the two standouts for me.
2: Tom Holland's kind of a badass here. I didn't really know what his role was going to be, but he's pretty badass in this movie. Um, but yeah, Robert Pattinson, I mean, one more thing about him, he's recovered from COVID now. They're, they're shooting the Batman again. So I'm I'm glad he's all right.
1: Yeah, me too. And yeah, I think I really like, I'm happy to hear that he's healthy and it's just always good to hear. But, um, there's a few things that I saw people that were frustrated with this movie. Um, one, I think everyone was like, okay, but like, what's the point of this? It's very, it's pretty violent. And from what I understand, the book is actually even more violent. If they would have been super, um, if they would have played from the book, just totally, it would have been in, like probably an NC 17 kind of movie from the, just the really bad violence in it. Um, but I think that's kind of the point of this movie. It's just, it's very, very futile. All, all the things that are happening and just the, there's a really pain sadness in watching all of these mostly good intentioned people um, break bad for things a lot of their out of their control and it really talks about the cyclical nature of just pain and suffering and violence. Um, but I thought it was really well uh, came together really well. But it seems like people are probably more lukewarm on this movie, like like you, Brennan. I, I get it, but I think these kind of movies, like these like dark Cohen Brothers esque backwood movies i just i really like them and i thought there was a lot of really cool stuff in this one
0: yeah it's one i definitely want to check out i just didn't have a ton of time to get to it this week um so i will uh watch it by proxy through you guys (laughs) (laughs) we're happy to help Um, (laughs) but yeah it's really not just a crazy release week in general um i mean netflix is also going to drop enola Holmes this coming week um, so they're definitely still releasing stuff but compared to all the chaos we had with cuties two weeks ago now it, it feels pretty tame um and then we also had uh tiff which brennan i know you checked out uh, quite a bit including uh one of the movies i've seen most talked about on twitter if you want to
2: dive into that a little bit yeah so by the time we did our recording last week i was able to speak about three movies and now I can speak about my uh, back half of the festival. I watched another three films. Um, The first one I checked out last week was the father. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is crazy in this movie. He's phenomenal. Um, It's also just completely unique. And I did see it in a drive-in setting, which was very, uh, very cool. I I love that they did that um, because I mean, it's a film festival. You want to diversify things. They had a few in-person showings. Most of it was, um, uh, digital but then they had a couple options for a drive-in so I went downtown uh, uh not a lot of traffic it was a good time watched The Father fantastic uh, screen as well I've been to a few drive-ins and this is this like they really uh did it up nicely so that was great I'm looking forward to seeing Anthony Hopkins in the Best Actor race for that one I think there's there's a real possibility that he goes all the way I know he's won one time before for Silence of the Lambs it's been a long time so he might be due um Pieces of a Woman is another one I checked out. That's a really good one as well. Um Vanessa Kirby is fantastic in that movie. You also have um I forget which Safty it is. Uh I think it's Benny Safty is is in it. Um The One Who Acts in Good Time.
1: Yeah, ben. yeah, Benny Safty.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's uh yeah, he's in it as well. Not a huge role, but it's 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 neat to see him. Shia LaBeouf's great in this film. Um that's a movie that is tough to get through at times um just because it deals with some very deep subject matter i don't want to spoil anything but netflix did pick up this movie so that's going to be really accessible for everyone but it's another one of those movies that's um not quite like the uh, charlie coffin movie a few weeks ago but i think there will be a lot of just kind of your average movie watchers that watch it and kind of don't understand what they're going for in the film um or maybe you want the tempo to pick up a little bit, but I do think it was, it was, it was uh, fantastic and it's definitely relying on some phenomenal performances. Um, last and definitely least is summer of 85. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was looking forward to it. Uh, it's a French film about um, two. I I think they're both around 18 years old um, uh, Two like gay lovers. And they, they, Kind of experienced this nice summer together, ups and downs here and there. I was looking forward to it, and then I watched it, and like they're essentially just trying to rehash "Call Me by Your Name." Like every kind of beat. I mean, a lot of the story points are obviously different, but the vibes are the same. There, there are even some scenes um in "Call Me by Your Name" where, where there's there's just music and Timothy Chalamet's dancing. I know that's a famous scene. They had one that was similar to that in this movie, <laughs> and like. Halfway through the movie, I was kind of like, you know, this this would be much better, or this feels like I'm watching kind of a Netflix original rom-com, and it kind of fell to that level. Uh, so it's a little bit of a yikes, but uh, that was my TIFF experience. It's, it's kind of sad they only had 50 uh, original feature films this year, and last year they had a little over 300. Uh, so it was definitely a thinned-down festival, but I'm glad it got to happen.
1: It seems like from... From reading all the reactions to everything, it seems like Anthony Hopkins in *The Father* is probably the front runner for Best Actor at this point. Like, obviously, there's been so many movies that have been pushed back, so we haven't seen a lot of it. But other than his work and *The Father*, like, I can't really think of any other actor you would think is probably going up for Best Actor at this point. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe Delroy Lindo, but like, yeah. he, they might they might do something like Best Supporting for him.
2: So. That's the interesting thing. I know this week officially, um, I, I'm pretty sure Variety reported that they will be campaigning Lindo in the best actor spot. Oh, perfect. Um, and I loved him in that movie. That is arguably my favorite of the year. But Anthony Hopkins did bring me to tears several times in this thing. He's, uh, he, he's good. Um, and the movie is um, just – it's done in a way that you wouldn't expect. I remember watching it and, and expecting it to be very um, – kind of like just I don't know how to explain it just kind of like a movie you're watching things play out but this movie is very psychological it's very different than what I thought it was going to be going into it I thought I was just going to watch kind of your basic drama but this movie plays with the viewer's mind a lot and it, it added an extra edge to the movie that it definitely needed and uh it's it's one of my favorites of the year so far I mean I haven't seen too much that's quality this year but it's definitely up in the top three
1: Yeah, I think of probably Ben Affleck is weirdly in the best actor race right now for the way back and just in terms of the competition. And maybe, I don't know, probably Gary Oldman in the Mank will probably be there at Mm some point when that comes out on Netflix. But um, it seems like Vanessa Kirby, too, for uh, Pieces of Woman is definitely up there, along with Frances McDormand for best actress so far.
2: Yeah, the thing about. Yeah, go ahead,
1: Colin.
0: Uh, you guys are forgetting about Adam Sandler and Hubie <laughs> Halloween. Uh, we have yet <laughs> to see that yet. So,
1: is it not, It's not Hubby Halloween? I was saying a Hubby the whole entire time.
2: I don't know what it is. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows?
0: <laughs> Maybe it's both.
2: Just signed with fancy writing, HH. <laughs> um, that's, we are going to be running the uh, FYC campaign for that movie. You guys are ready for that. I am ready. I'm, prepared. <laughs> um, the thing I'm ready that the, for Hubie. <laughs> the thing about, um the thing about nomadland is obviously that's the movie that's getting the praise like what 90 like high 90s on on metacritic i am very fearful that that's a movie that the academy will not pay attention to um i think they might have to and i think just because there aren't that many movies even coming out this year they will be forced to really look at that movie and give it a lot of consideration but it is one of those movies that just doesn't feel like an awards film um uh, but, but just the magnitude of how, how, how much praise it's gotten winning Venice and a lot, I do think that will help it. But if it didn't win Venice and like it, it was talked about a TIFF but not to this extent, I feel like th- this would be a movie that is loved by Film Twitter and no one else. Um, but I'm excited for you guys to get to watch it whenever it does come out. But uh, yeah, I really, does, I really do hope it uh, does well.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. And it seems like Vanessa Kirby, it's just a really fraught and just tough to watch performance, but she's just really good in it. Um, Weirdly, like, yeah, there's so much to fall on this, but it does seem like this is going to be like a really good best actress race because you have those two and then probably Elizabeth Moss and Invisible Man. Just I'm Mm -hmm. sure there's more to come. But I know like the past few years, like I wasn't really excited about – judy uh for what's her face renails like renails that um that was just like a very boring pick to me but it seemed like there's gonna be some cool uh people in, involved in this whenever however the oscars seems to shake out
0: yeah it's definitely going to be an interesting race um just given how weird this year has been <laughs> um uh, i'm personally excited to see uh the five bloods get some get some hype and don't worry lindo get some momentum i saw that article you were talking about as well um but yeah hubie halloween's taking it (laughs) i don't even need to hold the oscars they've been complaining about the runtime five minutes they just walk up say the word samler Oscars are open
2: i do love however that uh that ben affleck's running third right now in the best actor race i know that's going to change by the time uh, the oscars come but in my mind i think i'd probably have him at number three right now behind lindo and Hopkins.
1: yeah i love ben affleck in the way back i'm one of those people that really really like that movie probably too much um but i thought he was terrific in it I, I wouldn't like if he got a nomination i'd be like yeah sure why not
0: yeah, yeah it's, it's good it's a good movie yeah, he did a really good job with that movie. Um, but I, I'm with you there on that one, Nick. I mean, part of it also is there just like hasn't been a lot that I've seen. So pretty much everything I've seen sticks out more. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed that. That was like the last thing I saw before everything shut down. It's got a special place in your heart. <laughs> I'll always remember Ben fondly. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that is TIFF. And then, of course, we've also been watching... Uh, just random stuff in our own time. I know Nick uh, watched the highly anticipated Mulan this week. If you want to talk about that.
1: Ah, yes. The most anticipated movie that no one's really ever talking about. I guess it took the hunt's place as the, as the movie that the most important movie of the year that everyone's talking about, but hasn't seen or whatever. But um, yeah, luckily uh, I had a little fancy screener for this movie, so I didn't have to pay the 30 bucks and I've, I don't understand why anyone would pay 30 bucks for this movie. Um, so this is just another, for me, I, I feel like I've been pretty vocal. I just don't like any of the Disney live action movies. And part of it is on principle where it's like, I like this seems like pretty soulless, like work and cash grabs and whatnot. But uh, I am always willing to give these movies a chance. Cause like, Hey, like they're cool source material. If you want to do something different with it, like I'm all for it. Uh, but yeah, I don't really see, this movie justifying its own existence really in any way. Um, so they made it more of a more of like an, like a, an Epic movie, a big war movie uh, instead of there's no songs or anything like that. There's no Mushu, which I'm sure people were very disappointed about. Um, they tried to make it a little more grounded with like these like weird little flourishes of magic. And um, there's a really cool witch character, which I thought was the most interesting part of the movie um, who plays the main per, uh antagonist and all of this, right. but yeah, it's just, this movie is just kind of dead on arrival for me. Like it just, it lacks any sort of really good personality. Um, the lead actress who plays Mulan and her name's Yifei Lu, who just came in under fire for Unright for kind of being like, I support Hong Kong and not the protests, which is probably just an entire, another conversation about this movie. Cause they filmed it uh, near internment camps in China and, and where there's, reportedly genocide occurring and then disney thanked those regions in the credits that's just a whole other can of worms that probably deserves own podcast but yeah it's just for the movie itself it's just it's just not very good like it's just kind of there and there's an awesome cast and i guess the one of the positives is they they cast actual chinese actors in it so you have donnie yen in there and jet lee is in there as well and and ma from the farewell, um, who I just love every time he talks, like he's a great actor. Uh, but yeah, it's just not really. There's just nothing really here. <laughs> I don't really recommend anyone see this until it's on Disney Plus, um, and like I guess in, in December is when they announced that it was going to drop because it's just thirty bucks, is such a high price point, and there's just really nothing here. I don't hate it, like I didn't. I think, I think I was I was angry when I watched the first the, the the live action Lion King. I was really mad leaving that theater because it was just so soulless. But this one, I don't I don't really hate. It's just you can't really say it does anything one thing particularly well, except it looks pretty good. and They put a lot of money into it. But yeah, it's just sort of there. I wouldn't recommend this for most people.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely not paying for it until it drops for free. Uh, so my, my opinions on it can wait two more months.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, like there's not that much longer to wait. I mean, I think time will probably go by decently fast. Like 30 bucks is just pretty steep. Um, so I'm not really interested in in going out and renting Mulan for that, especially just because it, it didn't get the greatest uh, reception. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to second that Lion King uh, rhetoric you were saying. That movie made me mad as well.
1: It's just, oh my God, I, I'm waiting for the, the, the shoe to drop with Disney because I feel like with all the success they've had with Marvel and I guess star Wars, which kind of dwindled by the end, but they've made so much money and off of the live action movies as well, or even like Aladdin, which is another movie where I was like, cool. You just made the genie want to want to fuck someone. That was kind of like your take on the movie, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there wasn't really anything else in there. Um, and that movie still made like a million dollars or a billion dollars. <laughs> um, yeah. A million, geez. Uh, but I still, I'm still waiting for this to kind of just dwindle, like go away. Cause all these movies seem to make decent money, but no one really likes them. And it seems like Disney just can't really get a original property off the ground. I mean, they tried with Artemis Fowl early this year, and that was a, a hilarious movie that was just not very good. And probably one of the worst movies of the year, um so i'm just like i feel like at some point disney has to like figure out like hey like we're not really making anything new and we can't keep mining our own content for forever um it's kind of weird i know they're doing really good work with the mandalorian on disney plus it's tv and i, I don't know I haven't, I haven't really been blown away by a non-marvel
2: disney movie in so so long i think we'll have to wait to see how jungle cruise does i think that'll be like their big like do we actually? Because th- that that movie has a cast that can sell probably a big, like for a big audience. However, um, at the at this point, like we're we're pretty far out. I haven't seen any promotional material. Um, but if if I were to like put my bets on it today, I wouldn't think that movie would be like the biggest hit ever. I feel like it, it it'd make a lot of money, but not be like some insane like uh, blockbuster.
1: Yeah, it's weird too because. I think they have they have a Cruella uh, origin movie coming out starring Emma Stone, which is just very, very strange. But it's it's directed by the guy who did I, Tonya, Craig Gillespie. Um, and like Emma Thompson's in it. I think Paul is in it as well. There's like a ton of people in it. So that's one where I'm like, this sounds like so weird that maybe it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, like I'm like The Little Mermaid. Like, I don't really know. Like, sure, if you want to remake that. I'm just, I don't really know what you're what they're going to do that's, like, interesting in that movie. Maybe it's just, like, the cast, because it's a really interesting cast. And I know, I think, like, there's so many different people in that one as well. But, yeah, I don't know. I just... Every time I watch one of these live-action movies from Disney, I just get more confused about what their overall goal is.
0: Yeah, I saw an article the other day that was talking about how they really just, like, under the Iger era, they've acquired a lot of things that are making money. But they haven't really... Other than really the last few animated movies, Um, Disney hasn't really had original successes or things that they already owned. They've been succeeding mainly on like Marvel and things that they bought and things that they're remaking, but they've kind of reached the the end of the well of things that people just have a great love for already. And and they're remade or are in the process of remaking all the princess movies. Um, You know, they did Aladdin, The Lion King, Mulan. Um, They... I really need to come up with some new ideas, so yeah, I think Jungle Cruise, whatever that comes out, will be th- be something to keep an eye on and see if Disney can launch something of their own, especially now that Star Wars even is kind of dried up. You know, you don't have the original cast there anymore, um, so whatever Star Wars they do, do next is going to have to be something new, uh, which I feel is just as risky given the uh, criticism they've gotten for the past few Star
1: Wars movies. Yeah, and I guess I should say, like, I think their, their animated their animated stuff has been really, really good recently, too. I feel like that, like Pixar and then Disney Animation, they kind of they are like, all right, just go do your thing and then release your movie. Um, so those have been really good. And I'm actually really looking forward to Soul because that movie just looks like it's going to just make me cry for days on end. <laughs> it just looks so, so good. But, yeah, like, I think one of, like, the kind of, like, the open secrets, too, on their live action stuff has been, like, there's been really bad meddling and on basically all of them, like a wrinkle in time. There was just not good stuff on that. Like the f- nutcracker and the four realms. Remember that movie? <laughs> like that one was like a, that one was a nightmare. Uh, Artemis Fowl was also a nightmare too. Um just seems like Kenneth Branagh was like done with that movie before it came out. Um, so yeah, it's just, I don't really know what their live action like processes. It seems like I know that they've tried to like fix it a lot and, there's all whole, the whole star Wars debate again, which it's just like, I don't want to have that discussion again, but yeah, it's, just it makes me more and more confused each with each movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're Disney, so I'm sure they'll figure it out, but yeah, right now they don't really have a lot of original stuff. That's, and I mean by original stuff that they didn't have to purchase another company to make, um, that's working out for them, but it is Disney. So maybe they'll just make an eternal deal with, uh, Kurt Russell again and start cranking <laughs> out movies about computers wearing tennis shoes and whatnot
1: sure why not <laughs>
0: um, and then yeah Brennan's seen a lot of TIFF stuff lately we talked about that and then I've just been watching uh, ape movies so I, I just got the urge to watch uh, the Andy Circus Planet of the Apes movies uh, about a week and a half ago uh, so I watched those. I watched War for the first time in about two years, and it still holds up as one of my top ten favorite movies ever. Uh, watched the original the other night, and I I really just appreciate that one a little bit more every time because I feel like people get really caught up in the big plot, tw- like the big plot twist. You know, it's kind of up there with Darth Vader being Luke's dad is you know one of the biggest movie plot twists with. Uh, Charlton Heston just seeing the, alert, in man. the desert. I mean, come on. It's been 52 not, years. <laughs> I,
2: I have seen it yet. I haven't seen Empire yet. <laughs> My bad. It's coming. We're or, or, the- or the canceling Colin after this episode. <laughs> i plan to watch it tonight, dude. Really? <laughs>
0: um, yeah, but I feel like people just get really caught up in it. They kind of miss the whole point of the movie, which is just like Charlton Heston's character just constantly taking bites out of American imperialism and like just the crackpot uh, like pseudoscience religion that the apes have and like all these blurred lines between the ape state and the ape church and I think there's just a lot of good commentary there which I feel like probably comes mainly from Rod Serling uh, because he worked on the first draft of the script so I know like the Statue of Liberty shot was from his draft of it Um, I know it was hacked quite a bit after uh, he left the project, but there's just a lot of commentary that feels like something you'd see from the twilight zone. That's still really present in that movie. And uh, I think that's what all the sequels afterwards really lack. Um, Cause we were talking about this a little while er- earlier. Uh, Brennan felt a little bit differently, but I really only think there's like one solid sequel to the original apes films. Uh, Brennan can refute that, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like the first one is just, works on such a different level whereas the other four just kind of slowly steadily devolve into just a lot of like camp with people running around in rubber ape masks and like the apes just suddenly become smart and the last one's like an ape civil war and just kind of gets a little crazy for me but yeah the original still holds up even 52 years later
2: yeah that first one's pretty good um great movie. I loved I remember as a kid I think my my dad got like the box set. He's like, "Oh, I remember watching this when I was younger. I'll show it to you. We go home and we watch the first one." And uh with that ending, I'm like, "Yeah, we got to watch the next one right now." As a little kid, I mean, you love all 5. Like that's just how kids work. But uh <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can agree with you. I think that obviously as they go on, they don't they're not as good, but I will always defend the third one and the fourth one. 2 and 5 can go, but 3 and 4.
0: See, I'm a little different because I, I really like how ambitious the second one is, even if it doesn't really pull everything off. But they're just, like, going for it. There's this whole, um, like, cult of a nuclear bomb, which is kind of the antagonist for me. And, yeah. like, it doesn't always work, but I really like what they're going for. Even if with the reduced budget of the time, it it does not hold up well just with the environment. Um, but I, I admire what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know about you guys, but the best piece of commentary in the Apes franchise has always been Abraham Lincoln from the end of <laughs> Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. <laughs> uh,
0: Quote I that. love Marky Mark's first foray A into acting.
2: Um, of the Apes. Um, I think Tim Burton famously said that he'd rather jump out of a building than make a sequel. <laughs>
0: yeah, honestly, I think... I think that movie has like some solid things going for it. You know the, I think the makeup is just phenomenal. Okay, like no, the way they good. really take it a step forward and blend um, yeah. everybody's faces into the ape faces. But yeah, that movie is just nonsense. Mm-hmm. I watched it one time and I was like, I I never need to watch this again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's a movie I watch like I, I try to watch the circus trilogy now every year because I just love all three so much, especially uh, War. Um, but and then the originals I watch every couple of years, but. That one's one that, you know what, I watch it every five years. You know? <laughs> um, and, and, but no, you're right, the makeup in that's good. And just a funny tidbit, I uh, got added, I think, a year and a half ago to some Planet of the Apes groups on Facebook just to see what they were posting just for fun. And one of them is like a very hardcore um, – they, they're kind of – I guess they're, a lot of them are probably older, um, probably grew up with the original ones. They're probably born in like the 70s, and they like – can't stand the circus ones because they used uh, (laughs) visual effects. And it's so funny to be just seeing some of their posts. They're like, Disney needs to bring it back to uh, using uh, makeup. We need that uh, pure Planet of the Apes vibe. Oh my God. Yeah. So there are people
0: out there like that. We do need to thank the 2001 Planet of the Apes, though, for a lot of like big casting changes. Uh, Because I read up on it a while back. And so uh, apparently Marky Mark had uh, Matt Damon's role in Ocean's Eleven, but left to do Planet of the Apes. Oh, thank God. And then Tim Roth had the role of Snape in Harry Potter, but also left to do that movie. And so that's how we got Alan Rickman as Snape. <laughs> wow. Uh, so we do have to thank Tim Burton for something.
2: Tim Roth, Tim Roth is uh, on another level, though, in this Planet of the Apes movie. He's crazy. It's <laughs> just uh, <Yeah. laughs> in, in Burton's, he's like, he's on something.
1: I kind of yeah. would love to see Tim Roth as Snape. Uh, that probably doesn't work, but it's just so weird that I really, really want to see it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he would Snape wouldn't necessarily be the first character I see him as in Harry Potter, but now that like the images in my head, I'm really curious to see what that would have been like. So yeah, we uh, we stand, Tim Roth. Uh, it's unfortunate that we <laughs> have to see his Snape, but I do i honestly do like him in this movie though i think i think that is another high point in this very low point of a movie (laughs) is just like how insane the villains are and they just like go full throttle with just really like the animal insanity of them um but yeah i would not recommend that planet of the Apes specifically um and that pretty much wraps up this week in movies uh so we'll be talking about some other new releases Uh, next week so Enola Holmes drops on Netflix and then we also have Kajillionaire which is a movie that Nick and I saw at Sundance which is just a bizarre but really funny movie um, that I think a lot of people should check out just because it is there's a specific sequence where Evan Rachel Wood is just like physical comedy acting (laughs) as hard as she can and it's just wonderful Um, but yeah we'll be we'll be back talking about those movies and some more movies probably won't be talking about the rest of the ape sequels uh, but maybe we'll hit those some other day and remember you can always check us out online at moviebabble.com